Are you a service provider or coach thinking about raising your rates? In this podcast episode, hear how four successful podcast creators, professionals, and business owners have raised their rates and the lessons they've learned along the way. This roundtable discussion first appeared on Why We Succeed podcast by Jay Emanuel. Why We Succeed is a business podcast that helps content creators and aspiring entrepreneurs overcome obstacles to start profitable online businesses. Discover how to make your first 1K plus per month by monetizing your skills or hobby. This panel features me, Danielle Desir Corbett, a podcast marketing coach and founder of WOC Podcasters, Bethany Hawkins, founder of Crackers and Soup, a podcast production and coaching company, and Michelle Thames, a social media strategist, host of Social Media Decoded podcast, and owner of Thames Media Solutions. Before we jump in, we invite you to join our private podcasting community for women of color podcasters and audio creators. With your membership, you'll have access to a resource library with dozens of past trainings and monthly fireside chats with guest experts from podcast marketing experts, trademark attorneys, podcasting tech founders, PR specialists, sponsorship coaches, and so much more. We also host co-working sessions, masterminds, and accountability calls, as well as provide a supportive community to cheer you on. Whether you're looking for feedback, need to vent, we've all been there, want to be a resource to others, or be in community with like-minded, growth-oriented audio creators and professionals, why do this podcasting thing alone? Join us over at wcpodcasters.co slash community to try us out with a seven-day free trial risk-free. No credit card required. Again, that's wcpodcasters.co slash community. The link will be in the show notes. Women of color are influential visionaries moving the podcasting industry forward, impacting how we create and consume podcasts. But we often don't hear about their work, contributions, or rise to success. We believe it's about time these powerhouses are celebrated and acknowledged. So tune in every other week as we share the stories of women of color making big moves in front and behind the mic. Yo, 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 what is going on, everybody? We are back with a new episode of Why We Succeed. It's your man, Jay Emanuel. And as you can see, I'm joined by three very lovely ladies on the podcast today. I got some very special guests, Bethany, Danielle, and Michelle. Before we dive into today's topic, which is how and when to raise your prices, I want to allow each of my guests to introduce themselves. So let's start in alphabetical order. So Bethany, definitely let everybody know who you are, how they can get in contact with you and what you do. My name is Bethany Hawkins. I am the CEO and founder of Crackers and Soup, which is a podcast production and coaching company. And we do everything from launches to post-production to consultations to graphic design. We out here and we tired, but we love being tired. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Danielle, let everybody know who you are. 
Yes, a quick shout out to Crackers and Soup because they helped me create our cover art for Women of Color Podcasters, nice. the podcast. And it is stunning. So beautiful. So Bethany does incredible work. So yes, I am Danielle Desir Corbett. I am a podcast marketing coach. I help really overworked and underfunded podcasters strategically grow and monetize. I love sponsorships and work with brand deals. So let me know if that's you. Also, I am the founder of Women of Color Podcasters, a podcasting organization amplifying women of color across the world. And lastly, I'm the host of the Thought Card Podcast, an affordable luxury travel and personal finance show. Yo, y'all doing y'all thing out here. And last but definitely not least, my girl, Michelle, what's going on with you? Let the people know about you. Yeah, so excited to be here. I am Michelle. I am the CEO and founder of Thames Media Solutions. We're our integrated marketing agency. I'm also a creator and influencer. Been doing this 13 years. I'm an OG in this game. Started out back in the natural hair days with Afro Bella, Curly Nikki, and everybody. So that's how I got my start. And I also have a podcast. I'm the host of the Social Media Decoded Podcast, which is the number one podcast to help you understand social media better to grow your business, get more clients, and monetize. And my real passion is helping creative entrepreneurs monetize because I am multifaceted. I have a YouTube, blog, email marketing. I do it all. So however you can monetize, I'm your girl. Oh, yeah. As y'all can see, like, yo, we got three powerhouses in here. All of y'all doing amazing stuff in so many different lanes is going to be extremely beneficial when it comes to the conversation for today, which is raising the prices. Like one of the things that you'll notice is that some business owners do struggle with finally upping those prices, charging a little bit more. And I want to kick things off with this question. Why do you feel like there is a fear among some coaches and business owners to raise their prices? Let's start with you, Bethany. So I think that the fear revolves around our and time and being in that employee mentality where you're trading time for money instead of taking into consideration all that you've learned and acquired in your transferable skills in what you're doing. So a lot of people, when they're first starting out, are taken into consideration, it's going to take me three hours to do this. I charge this much per hour, so I'm going to make my product that final price. No, 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 honey. You're not doing any of the overhead costs. You're not doing any of the knowledge that you've had to find and learn and pay for. I've invested in God knows Danielle's everything because she is everything and I adore her. So all of the times that I have bought courses or been in part of programs, that is part of knowledge that I am finding. And that should be wrapped into your package price. And I think a lot of people don't even consider that aspect when they're talking about pricing. So true. Danielle, what's your take? Why do you feel like some people are afraid to raise the prices? I think it's fear of rejection, right? Mm -hmm. Like, especially if you've been in the game for a little while, people know your rates, they got uncomfortable. If you raise them, you're like, are people going to not want to work with me? Are they going to have money objections now? Like, it's real. I have a 10-month-old, 11-month-old now, almost one. And he's so brave and fearless, just like tumbling. And I'm like, yo, but like as an adult, we're just like caution, and caution, and caution. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just the fear of rejection and also the fear of greatness too. I don't think it's sometimes really loud, but we do think of like, what if I'm super ultra successful at this? That's also very scary. Yeah. And Michelle, what's your take? Why do you feel like people have these fear of raising their prices? Who? 
Danielle and Bethany, you touched on some good points. I definitely think it is fear. And I think that people feel like they're coming across as like, oh my God, you know, I'm all that because I'm charging $5,000 or something like that. But I honestly think that charging per hour is not the way to go. Like you said, Bethany, charging per hour is going to get you in a place where you might be unhappy because if you charge per hour and it takes you 10 minutes to do something, then that's not really beneficial to either party, is it? So I think that skills and experience do come into play. And I myself have had to come to the realization of this because when I first started out, I was charging like $200. And that's not what we need to be doing, especially considering that I have like 14 years experience in marketing and social media. So I am backing my pricing on the education, the experience, but also the customer experience. So I think that we need to look at that and say, I use Slack, I use ClickUp, I use this and roll all of those fees into your price so that then you're not resenting your clients. Then you're not resenting the amount of work that you're doing because you know that you have charged a rate that is beneficial and that can cover everything that you have to do into whatever product or service that it is. Right. And another thing that I've experienced as well is people often have limiting beliefs, right? Whether it's their mindset or their history with money and just feeling like it's wrong. Like some people actually don't feel comfortable charging at higher prices because of how they were raised about looking at money and treating it and operating a business and oftentimes is completely new to them. So often having those limiting beliefs about business, about money is also another reason why they have that fear as well, at least in the experience that I've had with conversations with people. I think it also is a, especially a black woman thing Mm. because we have built this country on doing everything for so much less or for free. (laughs) And I think trying to get past that hurdle sometimes, like Danielle said, it goes back to, well, who does she think that she is to be Mm. charging this? Where I think that there are other nationalities that have an easier time with that mentality because they have been raised to think that they deserve more or they deserve to get what they're asking for. So I think that that ties in a little bit to it as well. Right. With that in mind, Danielle, what would you say are some things that people can do to begin overcoming those fears that you mentioned that they typically have surrounding this? I think consuming educational and inspirational content even at the free tier is like a perfect place to start because just like listening to this podcast episode, we're all talking about like our experiences and the importance of raising our rates. And I'm hoping that someone in the audience and listening is like, okay, all right. Like even some of my coaching clients, I'm like, your rates are too low. And they're like, okay, I'm going to raise them now because I like gave them permission somehow, like, which I did not, you know, (laughs) I'm just like encouraging them. So part one is like, looking for content, looking for people who aren't afraid to share the behind the scenes and who are encouraging you to strive for more and be more. And then also work with a mentor or a coach who doesn't have a problem with like telling you straight up, like you need to pay the bills. Inflation is at like 12% this year. So those rates need to be reflecting at least catching up with that. So those are the two things I would recommend. Love that. Michelle, what would you add when it comes to overcoming those fears of raising prices? 
So I'm big into affirmations. And I definitely think that when you just say these things to yourself, like I am worthy of charging $5,000. I am worthy of a successful business. Really feel that because I agree with Bethany. I think that as Black women, especially, we have been so just underrepresented, undercharged in the marketplace, in the workplace, that it does become difficult because I have trauma from my nine to five where I used to work in healthcare and not being, you know, appreciated. I was actually fired because I was black. And so that Uh just led down a whole nother like thought process for me. Like, oh my God, if somebody can fire me because the color of my skin, like this is, and this is in 2016. Like, so this is not in like 1957, right? It's in 2016. So it's still going on. And so just I feel affirmations have helped me. If anyone is listening and you like to listen to affirmations, just feel into that and really speak it out. Write it down. I deserve to have a successful business that's a multi-million dollar business. When you start to feel that, your thoughts change. But also always just to keep up on reading and educating yourself. There's a lot of great self-help books out here. You Are a Badass at Making Money. You Are a Badass is a really good book. It's like the first book that I read when I started to... I don't know, I guess you want to say on this, your spiritual journey, whatever it is, the journey to knowing that Michelle is worth it. That's the first book that I read. Nice. The amount of energy it takes you to acquire one high ticket client Mm. versus hundreds of low ticket clients. It's literally the same, maybe even less energy, right? So I think that Money is a value exchange, an energy exchange. It's a currency, right? There's current in the word currency. So thinking about how much effort and energy it takes is really important as you're thinking about raising your rates. For me personally, when I'm feeling resentful a little bit and I'm like, this does not feel worth it. If I'm not energized, my rates are not comparable to the energy that I'm exchanging and putting into this. So just things to think about. It's a little woo-woo, but seriously, energy is currency. No, that's good. That's good. Bethany? So numbers don't lie. Your thoughts lie to you. (laughs) Your feelings lie to you. Your head trash lies to you. (laughs) Numbers do not lie. So if you take an itemization of all of the softwares that you're using, all of the electricity that you're utilizing in a month, all of the software, whatever you're doing in order to create that on behalf of the client... You take an itemization of what those costs look like, and then you have a projection of what you want to bring home. Like, what are your foldable dollar bills want to be every two weeks? And it is not comparable at all. And you see that you're in a deficit. That number is never going to lie to you. So you have to say, I'm an entrepreneur, but I am killing myself working 16 hour days For what ends up equating to 20 cents an hour. So reverse engineer what you want to take home. Have an itemized list of all of your expenses, including do you want staff? Do you want contractors? Do you want employees? Embed that within the body of your package prices and then hike it up like 2%. Well done. One thing I wanted to mention is that I adopted this daily practice of looking at my income on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And that really has affirmed, like, sometimes I feel like you ain't doing enough. But I'm like, well, bank account says otherwise, right? The proof (laughs) says otherwise, right? 
something else that I've learned along the way, specifically from Faux Alexander from Monetize Mama podcast, she has an episode where she talks about this gap framework where anything she's doing in her business either is for growth, it's for authority building, or for profit. So sometimes the things that we do today is like planting seeds. It's authority building. It is is making sure we're visible. But then sometimes the things that we're doing is for profit. So having two things that like debrief every day, looking at my numbers, and then looking at each task I complete and trying to figure out which of these buckets it's filling could really help to figure out, okay, do I need to charge more? Where am I at? Am I comfortable or whatnot? Right. And I just want to say one more thing. If you are an entrepreneur that has had your company for like six months or more, please get a CPA. A CPA will change your life. My CPA puts me in check and I will like hang my head and I'll be like, I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because they are in charge of looking at your numbers and a CPA Mm -hmm. worth their weight in salt is going to meet with you monthly and they're going to say, what is this expense line? Why are you spending so much money on this? And when you have to explain to somebody why all of that money is going out the window. And then they in return say to you, well, you could have put it towards marketing. They could have hired Michelle to do all of your marketing. Instead, (laughs) you were going to your 28th training when you're making six figures. You're good on the training. (laughs) (laughs) So hire somebody to kind of be responsible and showing you what your numbers are revealing about you and your business. Because how you spend your money in real life is how you're going to spend your money in your business. That's good. That's good. So coming over to you, Michelle, if you don't mind, share with us your experience, either the first one or a memorable one of raising your prices and kind of the emotions you went through and ultimately the results that came from it. Oh, this is a good one. So... (laughs) Memorable experience. When I first left my dream job in marketing, yes, I used to work in marketing, travel the world and do marketing for a great brand out here. I left my job and decided to start my agency. And so, you know, when you leave your nine to five, you're like, okay, well, what do I charge? So I did research, of course, but I also wanted to help people, of course, get testimonials and referrals and all those things. So I remember there was this one woman who I knew and I was like, okay, let's meet and talk about social media management. And she was like, oh, you know, since you're just starting out, but then let's remember, I'm not just starting out. I've been doing this for the last two and a half years for a brand. But besides that, I've been doing this since 2008. She told me I should charge $200. And I looked at her like, to manage your social media. And I mean, there may be people on here that you know, not understand social media management. This is why we are still in this age and the social media managers are tired. And so I hope to be one of the people to change the perception of what social media management actually is. It is not just posting to Instagram and saying, come to this post. So I was like, $200, you have to be kidding me. So I went to the drawing board. I remember there was this girl who was hosting a masterclass about agency owners. And she was like, you could charge $2,500 per client. And I was like, say what? I could charge $2,500 the client. What have I been doing? I think I was charging like maybe $900 at the time. And I'm like, you know what? She's right. Because if I want to hire contractors and other people, someone has to pay for that. Like, so I started to charge the $2,500. And that was the first time that it was in my face. Like you should charge $200. I'm like, no, that's not like the thing. So again, I went to the girl's training. 
She taught like, you know, how to do an agency model, what all that looks like, you know, hiring people. And I'm like, okay, this sounds like a better option than me slaving for $200, which I can't pay anybody. And that barely can, I mean, that can even pay my mortgage. So you have to think about things like that. So that was the first instance where I was like, I need to charge more. And I have not looked back since. And my, my rates are definitely not still there. They are because once you keep going and you're like, oh, no, this client had all these things or you learn as you go, like what is actually needed in that service. And then, like you said, Bethany, you can go back and reverse engineer and look and see, OK, well, this actually costs a, this actually costs four thousand dollars or this actually costs ten thousand dollars. So yeah. that was just the first instance. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not charging two hundred dollars ever again, maybe for a one on one call, but probably not. Oh, I hear that. Amazing. Coming over to you, Danielle, tell us the story behind a memorable moment when you raise your prices. Yeah. So I want to talk about how sometimes the people who you love can keep you small. Mm-hmm. So I run a podcast marketing coaching business and I had my rates the same amount for like two years mm-hmm. and I was getting my clients results and adding on to the program more resources, more templates, things that have helped me secure the bag. And I talked to a family member and they're like, "Eh, in this economy, it's a recession kind of, you know? And I was like, no, I have been putting in the work. I have the testimonials. I have the client results. I meet with all of my clients so I could figure out what their pain points are. So I feel like I am worthy of commanding this larger investment. And I updated my site and I added the dollar amount. And then two weeks later, I had a referral come through. So someone who referred me and I secured the client for that larger high ticket. And guess what? My roster of like potential leads who do consult calls with me are still the same amount than it was two years ago when I had the lower rate. So I say all this to say that sometimes your family who loves you, they're not your advisor. They're not your financial advisor. They're not part of your CEO suite team. So take what they say with a grain of salt because they can be holding you back. And again, once you, like Michelle said, once you start embracing like this abundance mentality, you may see that the clients, they don't even question it. And the ones that do are not a good fit for you to work with right now. That's good. Coming over to you, Bethany, tell us about a memorable experience you had when you finally raised your prices. So looking back, I was like, wow, my starting prices were bat guano crazy low. <sighs> I couldn't even pay my mortgage. Michelle and I, we would have both been homeless living underneath the same bridge. But I don't even remember. I was just like, I'm going to raise my prices because I can't live this life. But I do have to say, as I have raised my prices, I've raised my prices a couple of times now. And each time I see that I get closer and closer, <laughs> it's so ironic when I raise my prices to my ideal client. These are people that know our worth. These are people that provide us with feedback. These are people that say, this was a phenomenal experience. I would love to tell more people about you. The people that were haggling me for my lowest to low prices, they should have had a peer price. PIA price. If you don't know what PIA is, look it up. But (laughs) (laughs) the people that are willing to fork over money that has a comma in it is a very different caliber 
of experience, not only for them, but for us as well as a team. So if you take anything from this conversation, you may be inviting people who are not your people with your price point. And as soon as you increase that price, your people may find you because of that. You are 100% right, because when I started out, I did not have really good clients. I mean, stressed out, team crying. I've had team members call me, clients disrespecting them. It's been such a ride. But once I decided that I wasn't going back to those low prices and that I was going to charge what the price was going to be, I will say that the right fit clients started to find me. I have one client right now who we were helping out in her Facebook group, and then I saw that she needed more help with marketing and she's a ideal client. She has systems, structure, team. And she was, and we were new to the team and she's like, you guys are so awesome. The marketing team is great. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like an ideal person. How can I work with her longer? What can I do to really help her in her business? So I offer her my fractional CMO service, which is not like a cheap service because I'm your fractional CMO. I'm helping you on your leadership and your marketing team. And She did not blink at the price. She said, okay, sign me up next week. She didn't blink, but it's because she's that right fit client. And then I had another client that I've been working with for two years. And again, she needs more help. And so I said, let me offer this to her. She took it, but she's also my ideal client as well. So if you have those clients too, that you think are really great, if you have another service, offer them that. But I guarantee you, they won't blink at the price. They'll be like, fine, sign me up tomorrow. And then they won't bother you every day. They won't text you. They won't slack you 24 times a day. You have to actually check up and follow up with them. Sometimes I'm like, sis, you paid me, but I haven't talked to you in seven days, (laughs) but they won't even bother you. So that's 100% right. Yes. Danielle? I have a couple notes I'm writing here just so I don't forget. But I loved Bethany's point that it's a reiterative process, right? Like we can all stand here and say these things because we came from a space that we didn't feel like we were charging enough and we went through those lessons. So it is a reiterative process. And I'm sure if I want to go from like a four-figure investment to like a five-figure investment, that's going to come with different mindset challenges as well. So just wanted to say that. I also want to encourage folks to think of like tiered pricing because I think all of us right now are, t- are talking from like a service provider standpoint where, you know, we provide a service and we charge X, but like some things that I do as well is like I offer lower ticket digital products that allow for more passive income and I can help my clients secure a transformation that's smaller. Right. And that starts them to like get introduced to me and like the value that they can get working with me and open their horizons to what a greater investment could look like. So think about your value ladder. I think that could be really helpful because there is products you can create for the people who don't have the budget, but they won't be getting the same amount of attention that they do provide with your one-on-one clients, for example. Great points. Great points. Coming back up to you, Bethany, let's start talking about the win of this aspect. When Can coaches and agency owners know that it's time to start raising their prices? They have to know themselves. They have to know their why. What are they looking for in the near future and the future future and work accordingly? So if they are maxed out in their time and in their energy, it could be because they don't have any team members. So if they're looking to get into team members, doing an assessment of what team member they need, what that cost looks like, and then charging accordingly. So always tapping into 
the reasoning behind it. I'm not against, but I don't encourage people to say, raise your prices. And people have no idea why they're raising their prices. There's no plan. And they're just like, oh, because Joe Schmo raised their prices, I should raise my prices. And and it just doesn't make sense. So I am an explainer. So if I don't explain to myself, how can I explain to you? So (laughs) really tapping into why you're doing it and what your goal is going to be. And then you have the pure reason of why you want to increase your prices. Love it. Love it. Coming over to you, Michelle. What would you say? When can they know it's time to start raising their prices? Yeah, I definitely agree with Bethany. I think you should look within your business. Like for me, I knew it was time to raise my prices because I just wouldn't be able to sustain the type of business model that I had if I didn't raise my prices. An agency business model is different from a lot of business models, right? Because now I'm paying someone else to do like portions of the project work that we have to do. So not only do I have to pay myself, I have to pay them. And I'm going to be honest, in the beginning, most business owners don't pay themselves anything. I know all of you may be listening. You may have seen the Benzes and, you know, Teslas that all the Gucci and Prada people buy. But here's the real thing. When you first start out, you may not have any money to pay you. You're going to have to build that up to be able to pay yourself and to pay a team. So I really think you need to look at your current business, your model, like what money have you made so far and start to assess that if you say you want to make six figures, you cannot charge $200. I don't know why I keep saying $200, but like, that's just <laughs> where I started. And I want people to know that $200 is not enough to run a business, to pay people, to pay for your, all the subscriptions and services that we use as online business owners. So take an assessment of your business and look at the past amount that you make. Cause I'll, I'll be honest, my first year in business, I made $24,000, which is not enough to do a whole lot with. And so after that, I went to the drawing board and then I was able to create six figures, but I had to look within that first and figure out, okay, these prices need to raise. We need to cut this out. I don't need this tool. Maybe I can get somebody else to do this and we can bring things together, but you have to look within your business model and you can't just go off of, I'm just going to raise my prices tomorrow. I think you should definitely have experience as well, but not only experience, what are your clients saying? Are they happy with your service? Are they happy with how they're being treated? That's huge too. So I would say, look at those things first. Most definitely. And coming over to you, Danielle, I know you're going to have to hop off shortly, but can you address when is the right time to raise their prices? And then definitely let everybody know how they can get in contact with you if they want to connect after the show. Absolutely. So your results, your client results will let you know how things are going, right? I'm not saying, especially as a coach, like I can't drive all the results. Like I can lead and guide, but Sometimes your client just has to do the work, right? But if you see that they're transforming, they came into the door one way and they're out another way, completely like 180, 360, doing incredible things, that can be a clue. And I think for me, I'm always looking for clues of success to see how I'm doing in my business. Sometimes also your clients will tell you like, I'd pay more for this. And mm, word, how much more, (laughs) you know, like, let's dig into that. Like, let's hear about that. So I think that's another clue. Also, I always think about my, I'm a person, right? And I have personal finance goals. What do I need to bring in a month to, at a minimum, just pay my bills? Okay. At a maximum, like have a fluff for early retirement. I want to retire at the age of 40. So like 
all of these personal goals tie into your business goals as well. So thinking about like backdating that number, like, okay, if I want to make X amount per year, what does that look like? What are those income streams? And is this actually worth my energy and effort anymore? Before I leave though, I want to say as a customer, it's really important to see how you feel treated and valued as a customer from other service providers. Because recently I was a client of someone's and we were doing well and things were going great. And then all of a sudden they were like, my rates are changing like tomorrow. And it was time for me to renew the contract. And I'm like, I love you, but it would have been nice to have a heads up so that I can financially plan for this. So yes, we're empowering you to raise your rates and think strategically, but also think about that customer journey and how you make them feel. And if it's jarring, like how are you going to ease in the load and and talk to them about that, right? Communication is so key as a service provider. Okay, that's all I have for you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. <laughs> it was so great connecting with you. I'm over at DanielleDesir.com. That's the best way for you to find about all of my many different projects. And if you're interested in podcast marketing coaching, I'd love to talk with you. I do offer 20-minute discovery calls so we could talk about what your roadmap to success looks like. So thanks again. Perfect. Thank you again, Danielle, for joining us. We truly appreciate it. We are going to keep the conversation rolling. So we already addressed the when. So let's talk about the how. Coming back over to you, Bethany, how can people effectively start to raise their prices? What does that look like? How do they go through that process? To piggyback a little bit on what Danielle said, I think that there does have to be a strategy. You just can't wake up one morning and be like, my prices have increased, everybody. Give me more money. (laughs) So if you have current clients that are still on that numerical threshold that they've contracted, or if they're about to renew their contract, I would keep whatever they initially paid the same. I wouldn't go to my current clients and be like, hey, we did a price increase. You owe me $500. Like what? That is (laughs) wild. But there are people that do that. So if you have a plan in place where if, especially if it's somebody who's paying in monthly and you are going to be increasing that monthly rate, giving them a six month notice saying, hey, just a heads up, we're increasing our prices. Or if you want to increase a package price, Letting your current clients ride on whatever they paid you and then new incoming clientele, let them know this is our price. They don't need to know that you increased your price. They're just like, okay, cool. Or they're like, can't afford you. No one's going to die if they don't hire you. (laughs) (laughs) You just keep it moving. So those are my strategies when I increase my price. Nice. Michelle, what would you say are the hows? You know, how can they effectively raise their prices? Yeah, I definitely agree with Bethany. Do not just say, tomorrow I'm raising my prices. For my current clients, I have not done that. Like if they were at a certain rate, you know, I keep them at their rate. But when I had the opportunity to say, but I can offer you this, then that's a different story. Then I'll say, you know, for my one of my current clients, it was like, okay, well, you're paying this rate and this new service that I want to give you is this. But since you've been a client with me, let's meet in the like the middle and I'll give you like a discount on the current offer that I'm offering you so that we can still do what we were doing and still do that. But then I said, in six months, we're going to take a look at this to see how far I was able to get your business. And then we'll talk about what the price increase will be there. Because I know for a fact that once we implement these things, you're going to see an increase in revenue. And so then that's the time to talk about like, let's 
raise the price that you're paying me because now you see the benefit. I think that may be good for people who want to raise the price of their current clients, maybe say, okay, I have this new thing. This is the new rates. But what we're going to do is we're going to offer this to you maybe at a discount if this is what you want to do. And let's talk about in the future, the price, once you see that return on investment, because I don't believe in just saying, okay, well, tomorrow you got to pay me 65 grand. It's like, no, that's crazy. You want to give them a heads up, but that's how I would go about it. Definitely letting them know. And just thinking about too, like how to do it in a tactful way that just, Mm -hmm. you know, won't, piss off your client. You don't want to lose clients. I mean, we don't want to lose clients, but you can fire them if you need to fire them. But yeah. <laughs> definitely to just look at those things. Yeah. And that perfectly goes into the next thing that I wanted to talk to you both about, which is how to avoid losing the clients that you currently have when you do raise your prices. So Bethany, can you kind of expound on some of the things that people can do to make sure that they don't lose clients they already have? I think that it's really important as service providers and or coaches to maintain a regular rapport with your clientele. And in the, I send my clients a weekly project every Monday. I send them an email letting them know where they are in their project. And within the body of that discussion, there comes the respect in I really enjoy the majority of my clients. (laughs) (laughs) So having that frank conversation with them, if whatever they retained us to do, if that was going to increase in price and it was going to affect them, I would have that conversation with them, like not in an email, but on a live, like during a meeting, hey, just an FYI, this is happening. Because I, for post-production, because the majority of my clients work in seasons, If I were going to increase my price, I would let them ride out their season package. And then I would say to them, next time for your next seasoning opener, I just want to let you know we've increased our prices. But as Michelle had said, I'm going to give you a discount because you're a reoccurring client and I appreciate you and I appreciate your service. There are some times when you are going to max out of a current client's threshold. And that's okay. As long as you maintain the level of respect, professionalism, and integrity, it is okay if, unfortunately, they can't pay your new prices. Yeah, that's real. You really dropped a gem on that one, Michelle, when it comes to that process of offering the discount that's somewhere in between what they were paying and what you are now charging new clients. Like That's a strategy that I've definitely implored on multiple occasions where it has helped to not lose clients by saying, hey, now this is the new rate and you have to come in and pay it in full. So yeah, that was really a jump. So kind of coming back over to you, Michelle, what would you say people can do to avoid losing their clients when they raise their prices? Just be open and honest and communicate. I am an over-communicator and I know we're all busy. I know our clients are busy. I think that effective communication can help you from losing clients. Sometimes To be honest, though, it's just unavoidable. Maybe, you know, it was just the end of the road for both of you and it's just not the right fit anymore. Also be okay with it not being the right fit anymore. I just had that happen to me literally this week. And I said, you know what? Maybe it's just not the right fit anymore, but sometimes it's the communication piece and it could be the communication piece on the client's end, on your end, but just make sure that you're effectively communicating. I use Slack. I really don't like emails, but I mean, if an email has to get sent or, you know, you have to tell your client something, just make sure that you're communicating and that you're not, again, springing up like unexpected things on them. I also think 
again, going back to the customer journey and their experience, I think that you should have a really well put together experience for your clients and that they follow. You just have to keep reminding them like, hey, we use Slack. Hey, we use ClickUp. Hey, we do this because some people may not, they may not have experience that or like know how all of the things work. So just keeping your clients informed on changes, informed on what's going on. Just like Bethany, you said, I you send clients an email every Monday. I send my Friday recap email. This is what we've done for you. This is what's coming up ahead next week. If you have any questions, let me know. But I think the communication piece is the part that you should not miss out on when you are raising prices and just even general client work every single day things. Yeah, I can relate to that, Michelle. I, I tend to be an over communicator as well. That's just one of those things where I kind of follow the golden rule. I rather have too much information in the sense of, you know, I know exactly what you're doing as opposed to like wondering like, man, why haven't I heard from them? What are they doing? Are they getting stuff done? Like, I think it's much better to keep your client almost to a point where it's like, man, you keep me too informed as opposed to I'm not informed at all about what you're doing. So yeah, that was a really great point. Now, I want to kind of tap into each of your personal experiences again. When you look back at the times when you raise your prices, what are some things that you wish you would have known before? Like maybe there were some mistakes that you now are able to notice what would you have gone back and changed if you could, Bethany? I don't know how to answer this. I'm going to throw it to Michelle while I like Okay. This. Michelle, go, go, no answer for us. <laughs> I just wish that I would have known that it will be okay. To be honest, like everything will fall into place. I don't know if anyone listening is spiritual, religious, whatever, but I'm a very spiritual person and I just know it will always be okay and that God will have my back if I change a price, if I let a client go, if a client decides they don't want to work with me anymore, it will be okay. Because in the beginning, you want clients and you might be like, oh, I got to work with this person, this person, this person, this person. And you're working with too many people. And then you raise your prices and everyone leaves. But it's like, be okay with things not being okay. Maybe you might have to start over. Maybe you, this is like, okay, you flushed out all those clients who maybe weren't a good fit. And now is the time for you to put in place your boundaries, everything that matters to you. And now move forward in a new direction in a, like a more clear direction that you feel is best for you. So just be okay with things not being okay. Be okay with clients may lose it or do something like that. I got stories. I'm writing a book because it has been. <laughs> I, can't wait. I know every time I tell you, like I have stories. So, and yeah. I'm not like exaggerating. They have been very, very traumatic. So I just wish that I would have number one, had more boundaries and number two, just know I can be okay. And that things will be okay. If I decide to raise my prices or not. Yeah. Okay. So as spiritual as Michelle is, that's how angst-ridden mm -hmm. I am. So <laughs> I, just, I just live in the world of anxiety. So, <laughs> so yes, having to remind myself that everything is okay is great. And also having your person that's in your business or your person that's in your life that you can just share the overwhelm or mm -hmm. the feelings of, ah, what am I doing? But I also have to do say that those learning lessons that Michelle is referring to, we call them in my business, learning lesson clients. And those learning lesson clients that are the ones that you are talking about for seven days straight, 
to anybody and everybody that'll listen to you, like the barista when you're ordering coffee, like yeah. completely knows what has happened in this client's experience mm-hmm. <laughs> because you just can't, the trash men know, the recycling, everybody that comes in contact with you, people avoid you because they don't want to hear about this anymore. Those clients are the best for learning lessons. They're the best for either raising your prices. They're the best for changing your contracts. They're the best for changing the way that you communicate because you never want to get those learning lesson clients again. Right. (laughs) So you're going to do everything in your power to learn from that experience. Yeah, that's good. And the one thing that I would say, kind of looking back on my experience is how important it is to know that it'll take time. Like when you make that shift and, you know, just speaking personally for me, there have been times when I've raised the price of a service that I was already providing, but recently I've shifted by now starting a new business where, you know, the base price is a lot higher than what I charge for the other service that I've been providing for years. So of course, like at the Q4 of last year, I was like, yo, I'm about to start this new business. I'm about to have these clients coming in, like hit the ground running. Like I have these huge expectations and nothing turned out the way that I wanted. And like in Q1 of this year, I'm sitting here like, okay, like what went wrong? And I'm like, yo, I didn't pace myself just because I have a new service and it has a higher ticket price doesn't mean that clients are just going to start dropping out of the sky. Like I have to take my time and build this business the same way that I did the other one. This is completely different. I can't even really, to a certain degree, leverage what I've done with the other one. So I can't just come out the gate expecting that I'm about to get all of these high rates off rip. So for me, that's what I had to do in Q1. I was like, okay, so what do I need to do? I was listening to the market, like all of the people that I was reaching out to, and they kept saying two things. Can you provide examples and case studies of what you've done? And I'm like, okay, like I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of doing and it can provide these results. But I'm like, I don't have a plethora of case studies and examples that I can get people to check out and know that I can get them these results. So I was like, you know what, instead of spending all my time and energy trying to convince more people to, you know, hop on a call with me and eventually hire me, let me just focus my attention on getting two to three really good case study clients. I might even have to do that work, you know, at a fraction or even for free, depending on who it is and get what I need so that when I start doing my outreach again in Q2 of this year, I can automatically be able to charge the rates that I want because I have now the examples and the case studies that people are asking for and that can back up the fact that I can get them those same results. So I just wanted to share that from my own personal experience to say that one of the things that I wish I would have known going back to Q4 of last year is that, yo, just pace yourself. Like, don't think that you got to just come out swinging just because now you're charging a higher rate because of this new service that I'm providing. So yeah, like that was my two cents in addition to what you both shared. And with that in mind, I know we've been talking today about raising prices, but I think that there are some times when people actually need to keep their prices the same. So for those people, I would love to get your thoughts. Michelle, When can a business owner, an agency owner, or a coach know that, hey, it's not really time just yet to raise your prices? I think that you have to look at to what you're offering to the clients. Like a one-on-one call, I mean, I wouldn't be like, okay, this is 12 grand for a one-hour call. So I think you just have to, again, look at what other, do your research, number one, on the market what other people are charging. I don't know why we're scared to like look at what other people are charging because it's like, if 
it's in your industry, you want to know like what the standard rates are. So you're not like severely overcharging, but severely undercharging. So I say definitely look at, you know, and research what other people within your same niche might be doing, but don't go overboard. I think that like a one-on-one call, like, I don't think that should be like six grand, right? So maybe think about, okay, well, can I offer this for $2.99? I'm just throwing something out there. I don't know. I like numbers, whatever. Yeah. Two, I, I guess I like <laughs> this 200 number, but $2.99, right? For a one hour, whatever. But I know we also talked about having those tiers. I have those too. Like, mm-hmm. of course you can join my my membership program and get all this stuff for this. Or you can come over here and work with me one-on-one for this and have, you know, of course, if you want to go deeper. But I think sometimes things can stay the same price. Like for my membership will be the same price like that I have it now. I've only changed it like two times. But again, I think that this is something for beginner business owners. So I wouldn't want to charge $500 for a membership per month for someone who's just getting started. So I think that that's just the way to think about it. That's good. Bethany, what would you add? When should a coach, an agency owner or a business owner keep their prices the same or just wait to raise them? I think Danielle said it earlier, when Mm -hmm. it feels like you should Mm -hmm. stay the same, when it feels like that you should raise them. If all of these things keep coming up, you're like, ah, these are coming up for a reason. Like the universe is talking to you for a reason. But if you are happy and content and if you have team members and they're happy with their pay and Mm -hmm. you're happy with your pay and everybody's singing Kumbaya, the clients are happy with the pay. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't feel the need to increase your prices, you're Gucci. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. And I love what Michelle had to say in regards to looking at other people in the industry but also, I want to, you know, remind people that Tiffany's has like a thousand dollar paperclip. So, right. <laughs> so, um. so if you could pay a thousand dollars for a paperclip just to yeah. sit up on your counter, just to say that you have it, you can pay a thousand dollars for 60 minutes with a coach that's truly going to change the trajectory of your business, your podcast, whatever you're retaining them for. What is the ROI on that? And then be like, this helps me significantly. It was worth that money. Yeah. Much better than paperclip. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of another example in my experience, right? I think going back to what you all said is knowing the market. So one of the places that I offer services is a website that I'm sure you guys are familiar with called Fiverr. And I have been able to successfully raise my rates for services that I offer on Fiverr outside of Fiverr. So I was like, hey, if I'm charging this price here, maybe I can also get this price over on Fiverr. Well, guess what? Orders that I was getting on certain gigs, they halted. And I was just like, ah, okay. So what I started to do is like, not the fact that I can't raise my prices, but I felt like, okay, that initial price was a huge jump. Now I'm seeing like a complete almost standstill of getting new gigs coming in. So like, I was like, let me retrace it. Let me just incrementally raise the price. And I would say within the past month, I've seen an increase of those gigs come up. It wasn't as much as I would want to charge, as much as I'm charging outside of Fiverr. But it's a lot more than what I was charging before I made that huge price jump. So I think that also kind of goes along with it 
to just highlight the main point of what I'm making is sometimes you got to test it. So it's not that it's not time. It's not that you can't raise your prices. It's just that you still need to do a little bit more testing, whether that's on a marketplace like Fiverr, Upwork or something like that. Or if you're doing outreach and you're hopping on discovery calls, you know, pick a certain percent of people that you're going to present your new offer or your new tier, or your high tier pricing too, and see how it works and make tweaks and test it along the way. So that would be the last thing that I would share about that. But man, yo, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Before we wrap up, I wanted to see if either of you have any last or closing words that you like to share with our audience. So coming back over to you, Michelle, any last thoughts that you like to share about raising prices, when and how to do it? Yes, this has been such a great episode. I hope that there were some gems dropped in here that you all can pick up and implement. Parting words, just your gut instincts don't lie. So I'm really a person that goes with my gut. And if you feel like it's time to raise your prices, raise them reasonably. Just be reasonable about what you're doing and really consider the strategy, the reason why and know your numbers. I know we talked about numbers, know your numbers and know why you're doing this, but then go back to your why, right? I know that we're talking about money and a lot of people don't like to talk about money, but go back to your why. Like, why did you even start this business? Then you will probably feel better about raising your prices because it's like, for me, I started this for generational wealth for my family. And every single day I wake up knowing that if I don't charge enough, that I won't be able to take care of my family. So just going back to my why, every single day keeps me in check. And again, go with that gut feeling. If you feel like you've been slaving for hours and hours and not getting the output that you would like, it might be time to raise your prices. I hear that. And Bethany, coming over to you, any last or closing words you want to share about when and how to raise our prices? My last words of advice is look at what you're providing. If you are providing a shoddy service, Please don't raise your price on that shoddy service. Invest in being better at the deliverables of that service. So really looking at what you are offering, taking the time to, as you said, Jay Emanuel, create a portfolio or create a website or create a landing page where people can go and look at what you've already created and say, oh my gosh, I think this is amazing. So if you are not getting that reaction from people, don't raise your prices yet. You have work to do in your business. <laughs> but once you get a plethora of people singing your praises, and if you, look, if you win an award, raise your price. <laughs> not only yeah. raise your price, but put that you won an award on every single thing that you have, because that is noteworthy. So have that feeling have that desire, look at your stuff, make sure that you're Gucci and then raise your prices and then raise your prices again. If you have to shoot, it's a free for all. Yeah. It's your world. We're just living in it. <laughs> That's real. And I think one last thing that I would share, especially for people who operate businesses or provide coaching where it ties directly to the amount of money your client is making. When you look at the ROI they're getting and if the percentage you're making is like extremely minuscule, it's time to raise your prices. So let's say, for example, you're charging them $2,000 and you're making them $200,000. It might be time to start charging 10, 20,000 for what you're doing. And it's a justifiable price raise because of how much money you're making them. 
So I think that that's important because the last thing you want to do to use what Michelle's been saying is it costs them $200 to pay you and you're making them 200 grand. Like we can't live in that world. We can't do that. So I have truly enjoyed our conversation today. Thank <laughs> you.